بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد کریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا فیڈ آف فیبروری ان دا ٹوئنٹی of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu And I've reached the point where I've mentioned that he's now during, living during the blessed Khilafat of Sayyidina Umar, radiyallahu And Abu Musa al-Ashari, radiyallahu who was the governor of Basra, would often send him as an envoy. So on another occasion, it mentions, in Dabari in his Tariq 5-66, After the battle of Tustar, Sayyidina Abu Musa radiyallahu sent Anas radiyallahu to Umar radiyallahu with the prisoners and spoils, amongst whom was the Persian commander Harun Muzan. So like I mentioned many moons back, Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu, he fought in the campaigns. And in one campaign, he was seriously wounded by the red-hot chain. which grabbed him and was lifting him up and his brother saved him. I, and literally, he grabbed hold of the chain and his hands, the fat and the muscle melted. Just his bone could be seen. But Anas was saved, radiyallahu. So he was fighting wholeheartedly in those campaigns. There was a critical battle called the Battle of Tustar and the Muslims were victorious and amongst the The spoils and prisoners was Hormuzan, a famous uh, Persian general. So in the report, in Behaki, volume 9, page 96, Al-Bidaya, volume 7, page 87, Qanzal Omal, volume 2, page 298, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 529-30 of the New English Translation. Sayyidina Anas, he relates, When we laid siege to the city of Tustar, Harmuzan eventually surrendered on the verdict of Umar. I then brought him to Umar. So it was interesting. Harmuzan was being besieged because I will only lay down my arms if your leader judges me. I, Umar. So the Mujahideen decided this is fine. And then Anas said, I was the one who brought him to Umar. When we arrived, Umar radiyallahu told Harmuzan to speak. Harmuzan asked, Shall I speak like a dead man or a living one? Umar radiyallahu replied, You may speak without fear. Harmuzan thereupon said, O Arabs, as long as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had left you and us to ourselves, We used to enslave you, kill you, and usurp your, pop, your property and wealth. However, since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been with you, we now have no strength against you. <laughs> so stop in the report. So Harmuzan, the penny drops. <laughs> He goes, God Almighty is with them. <laughs> He goes, this is the only reason they're winning. He testified. <laughs> He goes, He's with you. Because we have no strength. Umar radiyallahu thereupon asked, 
what do you now o anas have to say because he was on the battlefield so anas radiyallahu said o amirul mu'minin radiyallahu i have left behind me a large enemy force who have tremendous strength if you kill this man his people will lose hope in living and their strength will be even greater so my suggestion is do not kill him <laughs> so when umar asked anas what do you think and anas being very intelligent he was realizing that this is now a good bargaining chip on mozant he's you know one of the hierarchy he goes if he is killed he goes this will then make them fight even with more uh, ferocity so umar responded radiyallahu how can i allow the murderer of albara ibn malik your brother and majza ibn thor to remain alive so what umar radiyallahu say he goes he killed your brother bara ibn malik he was during that campaign and he also martyred another sahaba majza ibn thor so who's this Umar radiyallahu who had appointed him as the head of Banu Bakr ibn Wa'il he was the commander he was martyred at the very gate of Tustar his companions went on to conquer it refer to al-Isaba volume 3 page 344 so Umar basically said to Anas this man is responsible for the martyrdom of companions and you're saying spare him one of them is your brother when i thus feared that umar radiyallahu was going to kill hormuzan i thereupon said o amirul mu'minin radiyallahu you have no right to kill someone to whom you have said you may speak without fear because this is an assurance of amnesty umar radiyallahu thereupon said did you receive a bribe or anything else from him So why was Umar getting angry? Because he was thinking, what's Anas doing? He goes, if you received a bribe. Hmm. I replied, I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I neither received a bribe nor anything else from him. So Umar thereupon warned Anas, you will have to bring forth someone besides yourself to testify that the words la ba's without fear is an assurance of amnesty otherwise i shall punish you first <laughs> so what happened what did hormuzan say can i speak like a dead or a living and umar goes you may speak la ba's without fear so anas was saying that phrase is a guarantee of the person's life <laughs> so umar was saying to anas you better get somebody to prove that otherwise i'm going to punish you first <laughs> I then left and found Zubair ibn al-Awwam radiyallahu who testified on my behalf. Umar then restrained himself from killing Hormuzan. Hormuzan then accepted Islam and Umar radiyallahu fixed an allowance for him from the Bayt al-Mal. So now what's happening? Was Anas defending his brother's murder? the answer is no what does the shariat say once amir al-mu'minin said la ba's the sahaba have to act upon the commands he goes you've given a amnesty now what's interesting umar didn't know that he goes you better get a witness or they're going to punish you first 
And who did he go to? Of all the Sahab, Zubair. Mm. Another one of the very strong, one of the ten promised paradise. And instantly Umar goes, you're right. Mm. He was excused. But Hormozan was so impressed by the whole scenario, he embraced Islam. And he was given an allowance from the Bayt al So this is one report. But there's another report. In Al-Bidayah, in the year 17 A.H. Tabari in his 5-63, it mentions, Hormozan asked for water. But when it was brought to him in a thick bowl, he said, even if I die of thirst, I shall not touch this thing. It is too coarse. Those a bowl better and pleasing to him was brought. So what happened? So he was expecting uh, like a glass or something to drink from, a goblet. So when the water was brought, it was, you know, the sunnah, you know, the the wooden bowl. So obviously he thought, what's this? Because I won't even drink from this, even if I die of thirst, because give me something smooth. So they brought him another bowl to please him. As he took the bowl, his hand started to shake. He said, I fear that I may be killed whilst I am drinking this water. Umar thereupon assured him that thirst and killing will not be combined on him because you will not die thirsty. Hormozan spilled the water and said, I am not thirsty. I was just trying to get to know you better. So Umar looked at him in anger. He goes, I'm definitely going to kill you. He responded, you just give me protection. Umar radiallahu wrote, you lie, O enemy of Allah. Anas interjected. And he said, he has spoken the truth of Vidal Bumidi. You have given him protection. So Umar looked in amazement. He goes, woe to you, O Anas. Shall I give him protection who killed Majza'ah and your brother Bara'ah? Anas and those around him reminded Umar that he had indeed given him protection till he gave his answer and also till he drank the water. So Umar was lost in thoughts. He thereupon turned to Hormozan and he gave him a very stern look. He goes, you've deceived me. And I shall not be deceived except by a Muslim. He goes, I bear witness <laughs> that there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. He embraced Islam. And Umar appointed a stipend of 2,000 dirhams for him and gave him accommodation in Al Madinah. According to another report, the interpreter between Mughira ibn Shu'bah was Mughira ibn Shu'bah, then Zaid. And he too interpreted between the meaning. They weren't talking direct. He was speaking Persian. So some of the other companions who could speak Persian, they were translating. He was a good Muslim, Ibn Kathir said. He did not part from Umar till Umar was martyred. So this is the two reports. So now can they be reconciled? So first of all, before reconciling, which one's authentic? The first narration is more authentic. <laughs> i.e. where he said, La Ba's, no fear. And because of that, he was excused. The second report, you could combine it in the sense that maybe this was also part of the parcel what led to the decision of Umar. But the second report is not as strong. However, it's more popular. 
So you'll get the historians and the khatib mentioning this incident more, which is fine. It's not fabricated. But the authentic narration mentions that Umar said, La Ba'as. Now look how eloquent Umar was. He goes, you deceive me. I will not be deceived except by a Muslim. So he didn't even say to him, embrace Islam, you'll be safe. He did it in a very, you know, beautiful way. And straight away he got the hint. He goes, so now you could argue. He just said Shahada to save his life. And this is where the scholars differ. Hormuzan later was killed by Umar's son, Ubaidullah ibn Umar. Because he considered him to be a conspirator in Umar's martyrdom. There was Jufayna the Christian, Hormuzan, and also Abu Lu'lu. This is uh, mentioned in Tabari in his tarikh. And he killed all of them, Umar's son. And he even killed Abu Lu'lu's daughter as well. So if he wasn't responsible, why would Umar's son go and kill him? But Ibn Kathir, he disagreed. He goes, Hormuzan was a good Muslim. And the proof he gave was that Umar kept him close. But the scholars countered that by saying Umar kept him close because he wanted to make him firm in his deed. But being, being close meant he knew his pattern now. And again, there's a lot of narrative with regards to this. So we just keep quiet about Hormuzan. But whatever the case, this definitely happened. If you look at how he embraced Islam, you can see it wasn't like something you could say crystal clear. So let's now turn to Anas. Subhanallah, note the incredible purity of Sayyidina Anas. How? For here now was the one responsible for the martyrdom of his dear brother Sayyidina Bara and other souls. Yet still, for the pleasure of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the cause of Islam, he found a way out for Hormuzan, which naturally touched this man's heart, paving his way to the glorious deen. Allah So look how pure Anas was. Think about it. If your brother's been killed, you're not going to start finding excuses. And Umar goes, what's the matter with you? And he goes, you gave him protection. So the scholars say he was finding a way out. Why? Because he was brought up in the prophetic household. The prophetic manners were looked after unto him. So look at the purity of Anas. He actually saved his brother's murderer. So note, and also there's another interesting report. When Harmuzan was brought, so Anas, you know, he was obviously chained, not chained up, tied up. And they were taking him to Umar. So when, when Harmuzan enters Medina, he's thinking, what is this place? And they go, this is the capital. And he goes, he's looking around. He goes, is this where all the armies came from <laughs> that destroyed the Persians? He goes, yes. And he was just absolutely gobsmacked. He's thinking, this is strange. And then he goes, right, where's the Khalif? So they're taking him and they're expecting him to go to a palace. They go to a small dwelling and Anas knocks and one of the family members goes, he's not at home. You may, he goes, you may find him in the masjid. So Hanmuzan goes, is this his dwelling? The leader of the Muslims? He goes, yes. So he's draws dropping even further. Then he takes him into the masjid and Umar was having his kailula in the courtyard of the masjid and he's on the ground with the, you know, with the cloak over him. So Arumazan then starts talking and Anas goes, shh. And he goes, what's the matter? He goes, Amir al-Mumineen is resting. So he's looking down, he goes, where is he? He goes, there, right? And he points to him on the floor. He goes, 
Where's his God? He goes, he hasn't got any God. He goes, where's his chamberlains? His servants? He goes, he hasn't got any servants. And then he goes, and then Hanmazan's like, you know, in, in a spinner, right? And then Hanmazan goes, is he a prophet? So Anas then said his amazing words, no, but he lives like one. And what did the Prophet Wasallam say? If there was a prophet after me, it would have been Umar. In Tirmidhi, Hassan Hadith. So all of this was having a massive impact on Hormuzan. Now think about that. All of that, and now when he meets Umar, look what happens. He's obviously shaking in his presence, but Anas found a way out for him. SubhanAllah. It is further related. Sheikh Shah Mu'inuddin Nadwi, Rahmatullah, in his Siyar al-Sahaba, Sayyidina Umar sent Anas along with a few other companions to Basra during his Khilafat for the purpose of teaching people. This group comprised of approximately 10 men. Anas then settled in Basra and spent the remainder of his life there. So like I said, I was going to explain why he settled in Basra. So what does it mention? He's back in al Madina. He's been fighting bravely in the campaigns. So now, in the lands that have recently fallen to the Muslims, you need teachers. So who better than the Sahaba? So Umar radiallahu he sent, the report says, 10 companions. And he sent Anas to Basra. Anas therefore went as a teacher there. He later settled there and he spent the remainder of his life there. Now what's interesting about that? When the civil wars broke out, there were hotbeds where people were being soaked into the fitna. Basra was safe. Kufa, God help us, right? Even the holy cities, Makkah and Medina, were affected. So Allah kept him safe. So look how interesting. This is before the fitna. He settled in Basra. So as if Allah was keeping him out now from the further fitna that was going to erupt. In addition, one should not find it surprising. For Anas himself relates that our beloved messenger said, said aloud, he said, O Anas, the people will establish cities and one of them will be called Al-Basra or Al-Busayda. If you pass through it or enter it, then beware of the salt flood, its wolves, I docks and waterfronts, its marketplace and the gates of its governors. You should keep to its outskirts. So this is recorded in Abu Dawood and Shaykh al-Bani Rahmatullah states Sahih. So now this is a miracle. So why is it a miracle? Okay, but even more than that. The name Basra. Basra. Did it exist? Did the Persians have a city called Basra? No. Kufa and Basra are non-Persian cities. They were built by the Sahab. So look how amazing this hadith is. Sayyid Hadith and Abu Dawood. He's talking to Anas, his servant. And obviously what age you can imagine. Definitely a teenager, possibly. You know, late teens. He goes, people will establish cities. One of them will be called Al-Basra. Miracle. Then he told him where to live. If you pass through it, enter it, beware of the salt flood, its wolves, 
its marketplace, the gate of its governors. Keep to the outskirts. <laughs> He's describing the land. So now, to give you the brief here, the historic city of Kufa was born in 17 AH by the subduer of the Persian forces, the gallant Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas. The place was an open virgin country. And here the believers now got down to building the new city, actually a cantonment. They worked according to a well-laid-out plan with separate areas earmarked for tribes and clans, and the masjid acting as the hub of the city. In fact, the first thing to be built was the masjid. And besides it, Sa'ad had a palatial building built for himself. Subhanallah, at the same time as Kufa was founded, the foundations were also now being laid by the believers for another historic city, Basra. <laughs> so you hear all the time in the books, Basra, Kufa, Kufa, Basra. These are Muslim cities. Why were they built? They were built because they needed to stay there so that the campaigns could continue without coming back from Arabia. So they basically settled there. They built the city from scratch, Kufa. 17 AH, so this is uh, the third or fourth year of Umar's Khalifa. It's just six years after the Prophet passed away. <laughs> and what was the first thing they built? The masjid. And think about that. What would we build? First of all, build the city. You know, where are they getting this know-how from? You know, asking you to build you know, a model airplane, right? Build a city. You know, they inspired people. Imagine building a city from scratch. And they built it. And Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas had his dwelling next to the masjid. Then it was Basra's turn. How this came about was that sometime after Tessifon fell, Tessifon, the capital of the Persian Empire, Sa'ad radiyallahu sent to Oballa a force of 800 men under the leadership of the elite companion Utbah ibn Ghazwan with Muhida ibn Shu'bah amongst them. This detachment returned and reoccupied Oballa. So what's happened? Tessifon was the Persian capital. It fell, meaning they they saw it's all over. But there was a rebellion at Oballa. Oballa was a land that had been taken. So Sa'ad told Utbah, a Badri, one of the early companions, and Mughira amongst them, go and retake that place. They reoccupied it. Utbah, however, did not find the city suitable for permanent habitation. Hence, he moved his soldiers out into the desert and camped not far from the ruins of Washatabad. Then, just like Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he wrote to the Amir al-Mu'mineen about the need for the place from which the Muslims could campaign further against the Persians and to which they could then return after operations. In reply, the Amir al-Mu'mineen wrote back instructing him to concentrate his soldiers in one place, which should be near water and pasture. So what happened? They didn't know what to do. They were in sixes and sevens. They wrote to the Amir al-Mu'mineen. He said, find a suitable place which is near water and pasture. So what happened? Hafiz Baladuri, Rahmatullah, in his Ansab al-Ashraf, page 341, it mentions, Sayyidina Utbah ibn Ghazwan, thus set out with his men to look for a suitable place. 
when they came to a certain area covered with pebbles, the men at once called it Basra, meaning a hard land full of black and white pebbles. The place was 15 miles from Oballa. Utba was happy to find the place. He rode back to the Amir al-Mu'minin. I have found a place full of reeds besides fertile land and beyond it is a marsh. So now what's interesting? Why isn't Anna speaking? The Prophet already told him. Go to Basra. Keep away from the this and that. Outskirts. You're going to call it Basra or Busayra. Why? Because Qaddal is Allah Ta'ala's pre-knowledge of the events. The events have to take place. And if you look what's happening, it looks like it's just happening. Or is it just happening? Everything goes under the watchful eye of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And they actually themselves called it Basra. Why? Because that means a hard land full of black and white pebbles. Those Subhanallah, the historic city of Basra, just like Kufa, was born in 17 AH. The believers thus now settled to ruling Iraq as a permanent part of the Islamic State. There would be now no going back from Iraq, nor would anyone take it away from them. They had come to stay, live and rule. Those Sayyidina Anas smiled as he remembered the words of the Prophet and he finally settled there. Where is Basra now? Basra is currently situated to the southeast of Iraq, near the borders of the Iran and also Kuwait. So it's in Iraq, the southeast, so it's down there, but it's very close to the borders of Iran and Kuwait. And don't forget, some of these are just modern borders. It was the Persian Empire, right? But that's where Basra is situated. So now just to add this to finish. It is very informative to note that currently, the year now being 2023, 16 year, the Rawafid are in charge of the people's affairs there. So a person sends clusters, hey, the Prophet told the Sahaba to go there. The Hadith continues. Bole bale. In Abu Dawood, Shaykh al-Bani, Rahmatullah, states Sahih, the Prophet continued to tell Anas, from there will be landslides and falls of stones from heaven within it and people will spend the night and become monkeys and pigs in the morning. So look what's happening. The Prophet first told, told him to go there. Then he says, Lana's going to come on that place. And because there's going to be punishments, landslides, stones from the heavens, people will be monkeys and pigs in the morning. So the scholars say, it's probably in reference to the Rawafid. <laughs> right? So look how amazing the Prophet is saying things. But we don't know what time frame he's talking about. So now think about it. When Anas heard this, he must have thought, why is the Prophet telling me to go there? But he was telling him to go there for his time. But then what did he say later? Because there's going to be a lot of fitna and fasad there. And we're seeing it now. We beg our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from all forms of deviation and abomination. Amen. And just to add this, Anas Dus had made his dwelling near the blessed masjid. How do we know? For Allah ibn Abdul Rahman said, Rahmatullah we came to the dwelling of Anas ibn Malik after the Zuhur prayer. His dwelling was situated by the side of the masjid. This is in Sayyid Muslim, number 622, in the chapter on Salah. <laughs>
So what did the Prophet tell him? The Prophet told him, he goes, if you pass through it or enter it, beware of the salt flood, its wharves, its marketplace and the gate of the governor. Keep to his outskirts. Did you mention anything about a masjid? No. <laughs> and Anas made sure that he was next to a masjid. Why? Because of the great virtue of being next to a masjid. Allah loves the masjids, the most blessed places on earth. So even in Basra, where he spent the remainder of his life, he was the neighbor of the masjid. <laughs> Subhanallah. So all I mentioned today was, again, the great name of Sayyidina Anas, during the Khilafat of Sayyidina Umar. And as promised, I mentioned how he eventually moved to Basra. And what was the key points and why and how this occurred. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanallah Allahumma bihamdika, ashtullahi lahi illa anta astaghfirika, atubu alayka, adhi billahi, mashallahim, subhanallah bihamdika, adhi billahi, adhi amma yasifun, assalamu alayhi wa sallam, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, bismillahi rahman rahim, wal asr, min sallam lafi khusr, adhina amunu wa 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 am